Well, look, today is Throwback Sunday. I know some of you like to call it Palm Sunday, but let me tell you why we're calling it Throwback Sunday. Because there are certain moments in life that you have to go back to because they matter that much. They make that big of an impact. And I want to welcome you today for joining us on this momentous day as we go way, way back. Somebody say way, way back. Tell somebody else we're going way, way back. We go way, way back in history and we're going to look at this day known as Palm Sunday. I think of it as a throwback because it's one of those moments that we should look back upon. But it's for a particular reason. There's something that God wants to show us there. Now, when it comes to throwbacks, those moments are special. They hold special meaning. I think of it like the early 80s. Can you tell? Right? Early 80s. That, I, I remember the 80s. I remember growing up in Brooklyn on the corner of uh, Evergreen and DeKalb. For those of you that may know the area in Bushwick. Oh, about two of you know Brooklyn. Okay, got you. Got you. Then we moved to Washington Heights, and, okay, about three of you know that area. Oh, my God, we got the Hudson Valley region here today. All right. Now, listen, I remember growing up in Brooklyn. I remember Rum DMC. I remember rap music when it had meaning. I remember Sugar Hill Gang. I remember Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Curtis Blow, Dougie Fresh. I remember pop-up block parties where it was just, like, shameless man somebody would show up they would block off the corners with cars and then they would somebody would tap into the light post and they would uh grab some power and pull out some turntables and then we would just jam right some of you don't you're too young for that some of you are too old for that right and i also remember the church on the corner of where we used to live at in that area where we used to go i think it was once a month maybe it was a little bit more frequent than that but we would go and we would get blocks of cheese they would give you a can of peanut butter, peanut butter in a can. How's that supposed to last, right? We would get peanut butter in a can, we would get bread, and then we would get the powdered milk. Anybody remember the powdered milk, right? We would get all that. And even in those times, there were difficulties, but, you know, there was something about that era, that age, that time, for me growing up, that even as hard as it was, six of us, five sisters, right, one brother, Trust me, I know what hell is like, right? <laughs> Even growing up in a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn, New York, no matter how hard it was, no matter how difficult the times was, there was something really special about those days. There are memories there. You know, I've heard it said that life is measured in moments, not minutes, right? In other words, life's moments matter. And I think as it pertains to this what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to reflect back on Palm Sunday. It's one of those moments that we cannot afford to go back to and pull something from. You know, for example, for us, uh, in my family, we get together every Sunday at our house after, after church. And we have uh, fun, you know, we watch movies, we eat, right, and we, we talk. And every now and then we end up going back to those moments growing up. It could be a vacation. It could be a time where, you know, we just had a fun uh, or celebratory occasion, or something, a conversation, a moment shared, a joyous occasion, a funny experience. And in the midst of those things, I've never heard anyone refer to how much money was spent, what was given. We only talk about that which really mattered, the impact. The fact that you felt cared for, the fact that you felt joy, the love, the time invested, the attention given. And this relates specifically to what we're commemorating today, 
Let me tell you why. Because what we do with life's moments determines the sum total of the life we live. What we do with moments matters. It impacts our lives. And what we do with this moment that we're going to look at in Scripture is powerful because it can change our lives if we would open our hearts and we would seek God and listen to what the Word of God has to say to us. And so today I want to invite you to lean in with me and allow the Holy Spirit of God, because I'm no one here, but to allow the Holy Spirit of God and allow the truth in His Word to begin to open our hearts and our understanding so that we can truly see Christ for who He is and reap what he wants us to reap. Today I want to talk to you on the topic, don't miss this moment. Go ahead and tell somebody, don't miss this moment. Tell somebody else, you can't afford to miss this moment. Listen, there was a moment in the life of Jesus that was life-defining. It was a game-changing moment because it marked the fulfillment of a prophecy by the prophet Zechariah, which had been prophesied over 500 years before the birth of Jesus. It was the moment when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Let's look at the scripture and let's see what it says in Zechariah chapter 9. Starting at verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. That was your cue, by the way. You missed that. Right? Let's try this again. Right? This is talking about God's people. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. Wow. That was weak. Watch this. Watch why God says shout. Watch why he says rejoice. He says, see, your king comes to you. Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. And the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace, watch this, to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river. This is referring to the river Euphrates, to the ends of the earth. And as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, watch this, you prisoners of hope. In other words, you can't get away from the hope of God. You can't get away from the promises he has for your life. Even now, I announce that I will restore how much? Twice as much to you. Now listen, though Jesus had traveled to Jerusalem numerous times, and even specifically to observe the holy feasts throughout his life, this time marks his final entry into Jerusalem, and it had a unique significance. See, he was triumphantly arriving as a humble king of peace. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Historically, when an authority figure entered a city on a donkey, he was signifying something for all to pick up on. He was displaying that he was coming in peace. So Jesus is portraying himself. He's announcing to everyone by riding it on a donkey that he comes as the king of peace rather than as a king who's charging into a city intending to conquer their enemies and and announcing that we're going to war. In other words, when he rode on a donkey, he was announcing the war is over. He was announcing what I am about to do announces to each and every one of you that I not only come in peace, but I give you complete peace. Listen closely. 
Because in the day and age that we live in today, one of the things that many have lost, many have given up, is their peace. And the scripture promises that God's peace is a peace that surpasses our understanding. It surpasses feeling. It's a peace that wells up from within, but it brings calm to the storms of life. And so Jesus, while he had been to Jerusalem many times, he comes in this time on a donkey announcing peace unto all the nations, unto all people. And so we must gauge what was the response of the people that day. And we're going to learn some things based on this response. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 6. It says, the disciples went and they did as Jesus had instructed them. So I want you to get this. Get this picture. Jesus orchestrated this. He was intending to bring something to light to people. He's just told his disciples, go get a donkey at this specific place. Tell this specifically to its master and then bring it to me. Verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds then went ahead of him, and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. So get a picture of what they're doing. They went and got these date palm leaves from these large trees, and they're waving them, and they're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they asked, who is this? And the crowds, get, who, get, who, get, who, get who's responding here. The crowds, the same crowds that cried out that he was the son of David, then respond and say this. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So what we see here is that Jesus' entry on this day into Jerusalem caused quite a stir. People began to, uh, to pull these palm leaves and chart a path for Jesus with them as they laid them while others waved them high and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna. And what that means in the original language is they were crying out. They were saying, Savior, Savior, help us. Help us. And so they're crying out and they're using palms and this had great meaning. You see, day palms are majestic tall trees that grow abundantly in the Holy Land. These, these trees grow to a height of 50 feet, and these leaves took great effort to get because they were at the top of these trees. And so people went through great, to, great effort, to, to great extent to announce and to declare that victory was come. In ancient times, palm branches symbolized strength, goodness, well-being, grandeur, steadfastness, and victory. And they were even depicted on coins and they were etched into buildings. The Chronicles and the Book of Kings, uh, they detail how even King Solomon had etched into the holy temple palm trees. And so you see, palm branches were regarded as tokens of joy and triumph and they were customarily used on festive occasions. Kings and conquerors were known to be welcomed with palm branches after great victories as they were scattered before them and they waved them in the air. Victors of Grecian games commonly returned to their homes triumphantly waving palm branches. 
So in laying these leaves before Christ's path on this day and waving them high as they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, the people were declaring that under the leadership of Jesus was come strength, goodness, and victory to Israel. Now, this response gives the appearance that these people had finally come to accept Jesus as the promised Messiah and that they were hailing him as their king. But their reception of him was not as the Messiah. I'm going to show you that in a second. It was not as the Messiah, the promised king who would come to redeem them. Instead, it was as a potential leader whom they hoped would overthrow the empire of Rome that ruled over them. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 1, starting at verse 2, regarding this moment. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Listen to what's happening here. They missed the power and the promise in this moment because they were hailing, they were hailing Jesus as a conqueror of Rome instead of as the promised divine Savior that God had told them was to come and redeem them. See, unfortunately, the details of this moment of this moment uh, back then continue to play out today in the hearts of many who hail Christ as Lord, but unfortunately do so with a false pretense. See, by fulfilling this prophecy, Jesus was announcing something to the entire world, not just the people of Israel. We just read that in Zechariah 9. What Jesus was announcing was the entrance of a new era, of a new way of life for all that would believe in him. A life free from the bondage that plagues the hearts of men from within. He was announcing peace between God and all men. He was declaring that God was near, irrelevant of what we did for God. See, that is the heart of God. Even when Jesus was first born, the scriptures record that heavenly hosts filled the heavens and they cried on the, and, and they declared that peace of, the peace of God was brought unto all men, that there was a peace established between God and men. See, there's no war. There's no wall of separation. There's nothing that separates us from the love of God. God is near to you whether you believe in him or not, whether you accept him or not, whether you're aware of him or not. God is still present. He's still working, and his peace is available unto all. And so as we commemorate this day, with palms, may it really serve to remind you that there is no stronghold, that there is no bondage, that there is no devil, there is no power, there is no authority that can claim hold over our lives, over our homes, over our communities, because Jesus fulfilled the promise that he came to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, to bring peace unto all men. It's available for all. I, I think of it this way. Jesus summarizes all this by saying this on the cross. It is finished. 
It is finished. So the, the issue today isn't that the peace of God is lacking. The issue today is that there are still men who, do, who, who, who reject it and do not want to receive what God has intended for their lives. See, Jesus changed the game forever for everyone. And from this day, we see the importance in not allowing ourselves to become dulled or ignorant of the promises that Christ brings to our lives. And so for the next couple of moments, what I want to do is I want to go back to this moment. And I, we, I want to examine it with you. We're going to look at the scriptures. And we want to see what can we learn from their mistakes. And the first thing that we learn is that we can't let the past steal our present. Let me make that personal. Don't let the past steal your present. Listen closely. Despite having the wrong motives, it is evident from the scriptures that these people understood what was happening. They were crying out, Savior, help us. Therefore, we have to question, how then did they miss this powerful moment with Jesus? How did they forsake the peace that was being declared for their lives? Historically, the people of Israel have been a people that have been stuck. When they took one step forward, they took two steps backwards. When they took two steps forward, they took two steps backward. But God's intent has always been to lead his people to a place of realized promises. Let me put it to you this way. Whether you know it or not, your life is full with great promise. The scriptures declare that your life is intended to be lived unto good purposes. The scriptures say that he is giving you and I a hope and a future. Now, I know that sometimes it doesn't feel that way. I know that sometimes it doesn't seem that way. I know that sometimes the things that we've undergone tell us differently. But the truth is this, that every day that you wake up, every breath that you take should be a reminder that you hold promise and that there are good things in store for you by God. And so these people miss this. They missed the promise in this moment. And the reason why is because for years and years they had become conditioned to looking backwards. Reminds me of a moment where they find themselves having escaped and left the stranglehold that the Egyptian empire held on their lives. God delivered them by miraculous signs and wonders, and they find themselves before the Red Sea. And what's cool about this is that while they're journeying to this point where they're to cross over in the Red Sea, this was only supposed to be an 11-day journey. But while they're heading towards the Red Sea, the Scripture clearly states that God kept a cloud by day over them that guarded them from the sun so that they wouldn't grow weary, and that by night he led them by a pillar of fire which kept them warm and gave them light for the path. And so God was with them, and they get to the edge of the Red Sea, and they, they see what apparently seems to be no way to get across. And they become aware that the Egyptians, their past is coming knocking. It's running towards them, and they, get, they grow afraid, and they begin to cry out, Listen to what Exodus 14, 11 shows us about these people. Mind you, they, this was supposed to be an 11-day journey. The scriptures record that it took them 40 years. Watch this. Watch why. 
Exodus 14, starting at verse 11, says, They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not, is, is, is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Listen to what they're saying. We preferred to be slaves where we were. That's a heart issue. That's a mindset issue. That's a belief issue. And so they're longing for Egypt. And they say, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see what? The salvation of the Lord. Watch this, which he will work for you today. Right now, in this moment, I love what Moses says next. He says, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and, you, and what? And you have only to be silent. Only to be silent. Listen, like the people of Israel, sometimes we're so conditioned to looking backwards at the expense of what God is presently doing for us right now. I can tell you this with complete certainty. God is working in your life right now. But we can miss what God is doing, what God is saying, what God is revealing, what God is teaching us, the comfort he's rendering to us if we're living in the past, if we're looking backwards. These people were at the cusp of breaking free. As a matter of fact, they were free, but their past was in their present. They couldn't get past the past because it was still present in their hearts and in their minds. Let me tell you, for those of you that know me, you know I'm an open book. I didn't lead the greatest life growing up. Went through a lot of difficulties, but can I tell you that even when I look backwards, I can't relate to that person. I can't understand that thinking. I can't understand how I got to the place of making those choices. See, the scripture says the old is gone. The new is now here. And we can either choose to live in the new or dwell in the old. But here's the thing. It's like oil and vinegar. They don't mix. It doesn't work. They're not meant to be together. Somebody shout with me. Let it go. It's time to move past the past. I love how Moses puts it. He says, you have only to be silent. Let me translate that for you. Shut up. Cállate la boca. Feme la bouche. Silence that noise in your life. I'd like to, sir, can, can, can I ask you to help me out here, sir? I want to ask you to come on over here. Stand right here. Here's what I want you to do. No, no, face me, but I want you to look backwards. Keep looking backwards, and I want you to walk a straight line forwards. Keep looking backwards. Notice what happens. You notice what happens? Thank you, sir. Let me, let me tell you why, why, why I share that with you. Because that's how we think it works. We think we can look backwards and still walk towards what God has for us. You will miss it every single time if you live in the past. 
So stop looking back. The present affords you what God is doing presently. It's available to you. See, in this present moment, according to the scriptures, the scripture reveals that we have the hope of his healing. We have the hope of freedom from addictions and destructive mindsets. That we have the hope of the truth for true change. That we can not only renew our lives, but we can have renewed and transformed minds. That we can walk into places where we, where we once didn't fit and see the goodness of God make a way for us. Why then do some today still maintain a reference point for life in the past? Why? This is exactly what happened that day as these people were waving their palms and crying out in worship. God was among them. Listen to this. God was among them. But they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. These were people that had been plagued with a mindset of the past. They longed for the traditions of the past. They longed for the ways of the past. They were stuck in the past. God was among them, but their hearts were so conditioned to go against him because of their past, because of their history, that they couldn't receive him and they couldn't see his story begin to work in their lives. See, there is no reason why anyone should be living with fear, with hurt, with struggle. Why? Because your king is come. Your peace is here. It is available. But listen closely. I get it. Some of us, we struggle. We hurt. We, 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 we feel stuck. And may I submit to you with all due respect and love, a dose of reality. If that's where you are, question what direction you've been looking in for life. The next point I want to share with you is don't let your present blind you to his presence. I'm going to say that again. Don't let your present blind you to his presence. Listen, though some of these people, though, though these people saw Jesus and they cried out to him as Savior, they were more aware of the present circumstances than they were the presence of God among them. Let me tell you what I mean by that. These people were looking to Jesus as a conqueror to help them get out of their present subjugation under the empire of Rome. They were looking for a quick, to, a quick fix to their present circumstances. And when you're focused solely in your present circumstances, when you're focused solely upon what CNN and NBC and Fox and MSNBC News and this person and that person and this policy and that policy and this is the new trend and this is what we have to do when we're focused upon the ways of the world and what this world dictates, when popular opinion reigns above the truth and God's word, the present robs us of his presence. Matthew 21, 11 says this. Note this. Jesus is entering Jerusalem. And Jerusalem gets up in a stir. And many people begin to question, what's the big deal? What's going on? What, what's this all about? ¿Qué está pasando, mijo? Oh, it, it, you know, what, what's happening here? Who is this? And listen to what the same crowd that was crying out and saying, Hosanna, Savior, help us. Listen to what they responded. This is Jesus. Watch this. The prophet from Nazareth 
in Galilee. Guess what they're doing? They're acknowledging him as God and at the same time denying his deity. In other words, oh, that's just Jesus. The guy that came from Nazareth, the Galilean, the guy that's causing up a stir that he did all these miracles. Yeah, the guy who, who raised that dead guy, the guy who, who they say teaches in a manner that is uncommon and, and, and it just draws you near to God. Yeah, that guy, Jesus. These people were so focused on their present discomforts and conditions that they couldn't perceive that God was with them. Let me ask you a personal question for reflection. Are you more present in present day circumstances than you are in the presence of God and what he's doing in your life right now? If I asked you right now, and I'm not asking anybody to shout yourself out, but if I asked you right now, what is God presently speaking to you? What is the Holy Spirit teaching you and showing you that is to come? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does according to the word. What would your answer be? If you don't have an answer, question this. Am I living more in the present circumstances than I am aware of God's presence in my life? God is available. God is with you. He promised that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And I think that we've, we've all been guilty of this at some point, where we choose the present over his presence. See, when we raise our awareness to the matters pertaining to this world, and even the people in it, what we actually do is lower our standing in life because we are lowering our awareness of God and the better things that he promises to do in our life. Not just today, but for the eternity, for eternity. It's where Peter went wrong when he denied Jesus. I don't know if you've ever read it, but I'll just kind of summarize it for you. Peter was with Jesus in what they, what's referred to as the Last Supper. And while there, Jesus begins to give these guys a dose of reality. He begins to open their hearts and show them what's going on. And he's trying to prepare them. He's trying to prepare them for these moments that are about to come. And so he says to Peter, Peter, before the crow, before, before the crow, uh, be, before the, uh, the, uh, some, the rooster crows three times this dawn, you'll deny me three times. And Peter says, never, 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 Lord, I would never do that. Luke 22 records an interesting moment that many miss in the life of Peter. The scripture records in Luke 22 that Peter finds himself surrounded by people around a fire in the square. Jesus has been arrested. And they say, hey, you look familiar. Weren't you with Jesus? Aren't you one of those Galileans? Weren't you uh, walking with him? Weren't you there while he was teaching? And Peter goes, nope, not me. Nope, you got the wrong guy. I know I got one of those faces that, you know, just looks familiar. You know, I get that. I get told that all the time, but not me. Another person comes to him and says the same thing to him, and Peter denies it vehemently. Another person comes to Peter, and they say, yeah, it's you. Yes, you're one of his disciples. You're one of his followers. And the scripture says that Peter curses Jesus. Luke 22 records that in that moment, the rooster crowed. And that him and Jesus locked eyes. Get this. 
Jesus was right there when Peter denied him. That Peter lost sight of his Lord. Why? Because he was more concerned with the opinions and his standing before people. It was dangerous at this particular moment in time to be a follower of Jesus. It, it, it looked like it was a sure death sentence. It looked like it was a recipe for you to be ridiculed and rejected and cast down and looked down upon and set aside. And Peter in that moment had all these fears, all these worries, all these concerns in the present. And he lost sight of the presence of God whom he was among. See, this can happen to anyone, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to happen to anyone. See, so I want to just simply encourage you, let's not make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. The last point that I want to leave you with here today is don't miss the promise that today holds to change your tomorrows. Let me say that again. Don't miss the promise that today holds to change your tomorrows. As Jesus entered Jerusalem on this day, we can't overlook this. A promise of God was being fulfilled. A promise. A promise of God was being fulfilled. God was bringing things full circle. And many missed it. They missed that this promise that Jesus was announcing was tapping into and revealing the value of the very people that he was come to. He was saying, I value you enough to restore to you peace, to give you back the joy of your salvation, to show you that you are mine and that I will never leave you and I will never let you go. See, God wants us to see it, but sometimes we get so caught up in wanting change for tomorrow that we miss the power and the promise that today holds. Listen closely. Jesus once told a crowd of people, who were weighed down by the cares of life. Stop worrying. Who among you can add an hour to his life by worrying? He goes on to say to them, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? Sufficient are the cares for today. So why do I share that with you? In other words, Jesus was saying, Stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about how this is going to work out. Stop trying to finagle and figure out the details because the promise that tomorrow holds depends on what you do with the promise that your life holds today. Don't miss the promise that your life holds in this moment. A couple of weeks back, Pastor Ned and I had the, the privilege, the honor to hang out with a pastor named Scott Hagen. He's the president of North Central University. And we were hanging out with him and a couple of other pastor friends in Long Island. And he shared a story with us of an experience that he had on a trip to Nepal. He would take these trips uh, yearly. He did it for about seven years. And he would take um, leaders from different ministries. And the goal of these trips was not only to just go on a missionary trip, but to really teach and pour into them leadership, to encourage them as leaders. And so he took a group a large group of, of, of pastors and, you know, uh, uh, leaders in, in, in different ministries to Nepal. And when they get there, just a couple of weeks prior to this trip, there had been a massive earthquake. 
massive earthquake. Many people had lost their lives during this, uh, this, this uh, tragic experience. And so when they, they took a 12, it took them 12 hours to get there. And when they finally get there, then they have to get into this little van, all pack into this little van. And they're riding the edge of one of these huge summits, these huge mountains for about 60 miles. They, you could see the cliff. They actually thought they were going to fall over. Uh, because how close they were to the edge. And so they ride that way for 60 miles, all uncomfortable, all cramped in, and then they finally get to base camp of this summit. And when they get there, they find out that they have to hike another three hours to get to the village that they're going to be at. And so they do that. By the time they get there, it's early dawn. It's early in the morning. And so when they arrive, they see a scene that they weren't expecting. There's this huge bull that's dead in the middle of the village. And they're told immediately as they arrive, we need your help to get to bury this bull. And so everybody's looking confused. They're questioning, what does this have to do with any missionary work? And so they're expecting to be given shovels, and what they're given is these picks. And they say, we need you to bury this today. It has to be done today. So they begin to pick at the ground, and for hours upon hours, they're trying to break through ground, break through rocks, and they finally get a hole that's about four feet deep. And uh, Dr. Dr. Hagen uh, recalls that everybody is going from excited to disgruntled real quick. They're mumbling, they're, they're you know, complaining under their breath, they're uh, having bad attitudes, and he's saying, this is going south. Really, really quick. He's trying to encourage them. Nothing is making a difference. Finally, they dig the hole, and then they have to push this 1,000-pound animal into the hole. That takes a couple of hours. It's dead. It's stinking. There's flies. There's maggots. It's got fluids flowing out of it. It's disgusting. They finally get into the hole. They put the dirt back in it. They finish doing the task, and everybody's upset. And then this little old lady from this village comes towards them from a hut. And she says through their interpreter, thank you for saving our lives. They begin to question, how did we save your life? What are you talking about? And the woman through the translator says to them, if you had not buried this bull today, the wolves would have come tonight. And they would have eaten our children. Let me tell you why I share that with you. Because sometimes the present life feels hard. It doesn't make sense what we're going through. It doesn't make sense the difficulties that come our way. It doesn't make sense what we're seeing in this world. It, it, it appears like madness. And I'm telling you that though life feels heavy at times, though it feels hard and pointless, what we fail to realize is its value. And today might appear meaningless to some. It might even appear difficult to you in the current season that you find yourself in. But I want to remind you of something it isn't. Why? Because your life holds promise right now, and what you do with it matters. Let's stand here today. As we come to a close today, I want to encourage your faith with a portion of Scripture. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says this, His divine power has granted to us how many things? All things that pertain to life. And godliness, watch this, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Why? By which he has granted us, to, to us, his precious and very great promises. Watch this. Every single life holds promise 
there's a promise that God has for every one of us. But watch why the promise of your life is important. Watch why. So that through them you may become partakers of his divine nature. Listen closely to what the scripture is saying. When we appreciate the promises of God revealed in the scriptures, when we take hold of the promise that it brings to our life and we allow it to impact us with hope, with vision and confidence, it brings change into our lives in the present. But that present change begins to impact the future. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss the promise of what Jesus was announcing. You have peace with God. God is with you. God is for you. God has good purposes and plans for you. And so today, yes, raise a palm. Yes, celebrate the goodness of God. But let us never forget that what God announces through the coming of Christ unto us all is this, that God has established peace, 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 peace. And it's possible in your life and in the lives of those around us. Come on now. Let's raise a praise unto God. Let's thank God for his goodness. Let's thank God for the promise that is working in and through our lives this day. Now, as we close today, it's very possible that there's someone here. Maybe you're joining us online. And what you're gleaning from today's message is this. Maybe you're identifying with the fact that you've felt that difficulty in life. Maybe you grew up like me where you went to the church where everybody else was going to hell except us. But we were always told how bad we were, but how much God loved us. And every Friday we repented. And on Monday we lived like we were the devil. Maybe you grew up in that church. If you did, I didn't see you there. But maybe you just got to the point like I did where you just wanted nothing to do with church, wanted nothing to do with God, wanted nothing to do with what the Bible had to say because God was the hammer and you were the nail. That's how you felt. That's what you believed. Maybe you just identified with the, 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 the fact that, man, you know, I, I don't, I, I've never understood that I actually have value, that I have hope, that my, my life is full of promise. I've never tapped into that. Maybe you've just distanced yourself from God. Maybe you haven't. Wherever you may be in life today, here's what we should all reflect on. God is near. God is with you. God loves you. He loves you so much that on a day where no one understood and no one could perceive what God was declaring, he got on the donkey and he fulfilled a prophecy years upon years before his birth that was foretold that declared this, that the king of all creation would come and be a man amongst men and he would declare peace and liberty and freedom and hope and power and change to all the nations. God loves you. If you believe that today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, 
if you've walked away from it, but today you see differently, you understand that God loves you and he's calling out to you. He wants a personal connection, a relationship with you. If you understand that today, then pray this with us. Let's join together in supporting them. And as we pray, for those of you that are doing that today, whether you're here or online, if you're online, give us an emoji, send us a private message. If you're here in the house, we want you to do something. We want you to raise your hand. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not because we want to embarrass you. It's not because anybody's going to shame you. It's because if you matter to God, then we want to count your life and we want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. We want to give praise with all heaven. We want to rejoice with all heaven and thanking God what he's doing for you. So if you are accepting Jesus today. Raise your hand proud and let's be loud about it. Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus and we thank you for what you are doing here. Pray this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for my sin. Today I declare you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God, and I put my trust in you, and I thank you for a new life. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us and I can't wait to connect with you next week.